Shabbat Shalom, everyone. I'm Rabbi David Levine, and this is Live From Home. Shabbat Shalom. This is Sandy Levine. Welcome. It's Yom Shabbat on Saturday, August 8th, 2020, and we have a whole new format, Live From Home and Live From the Sanctuary. It's really exciting. This morning, Rabbi Yuri and Rebetzin Ina will lead us in worship. Cantor Aaron will lead us in Hebrew prayers, Live From the Sanctuary at Beth Israel. And we'll also have a time to pray God's blessing over the children and adults, and we'll study the scriptures together. Right now, I want to encourage you to use the share button on this Facebook post in order to let your friends know that this is the time to join in. And you can participate as well with the comments. At the beginning, we like to greet one another in the comments section and greet each other with a Shabbat Shalom, and then we enter into worship together and we study together. It's great to use the comments to put in scripture references with the book, chapter and verses we're using, and the text from one of the scriptures or a pull quote from our teachings. This morning, we want to begin, though, with some prayer for the people of Beirut who are dealing with that terrible disaster this week, what may have been the largest non-nuclear explosion in history, killed more than 150 people, injured many, many thousands, and destroyed large swaths of the city. So let's pray. Lord, we pray that during this time of Beirut's trouble, that you would pour out compassion and mercy, and you would rally the people of God to do ministry in your name on behalf of those who are mourning. We pray for comfort and consolation in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Amen. As we get ready to worship, let's thank the Lord for Shabbat, that we can be together in this way and with the Lord, and we can enter into his rest and be refreshed. So from Sandy and me, we say Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. And now let's join Cantor Aaron for Hebrew prayers live from the sanctuary at Beth Israel. Amazing. Well, thank you, Rabbi David. And as always, as you know, I am Cantor Aaron Jacobs, and uh, I welcome you all. Even though we're meeting by VTC, when we gather together and worship, it's a blessing. So you being here at home is a blessing for all of us. A little bit of housekeeping. Uh, when we are off camera, because my wife is also watching this via VTC, I am wearing this as everybody else is. Uh, when we're off camera, only uh, the mask is removed while we're on camera. And if you can see this over here, move it around and look at people. Now, for those of you who know me, know I like to be in control of things, and I've never had more control over the rabbi. He looks at the floor, he's looking at the ceiling. <laughs> I've got it. Okay, I'll have to say that uh, starting the service from here and starting this phase where we move towards uh, moving back into the temple, this first phase, it's actually, it was refreshing. I came this morning and um, it's not just coming to the temple. I'm coming to a big building that I'm familiar with. I'm seeing people and friends that I'm familiar with. We're keeping our social distancing, especially uh, say with the ladies here. As I walk in, I can see their uncomfortableness, wondering if I'm gonna walk too close to them. I tell you, add some blemishes and long hair and I'm 15, back in high school again. <laughs> so I'm young at heart. With that odd joke, we will go ahead and start with the first of the formal blessings. So if you'll please join me at home, we'll start with the Barhu. It's where we bless God for all of this existence. If you uh, 
have a chance to take a look at the Torah teaser, this will make maybe a little more sense to you, or you'll look at it a little more deeply. So let us pray together, you at home and all of us here, the Barhu. Bless the Lord, the Blessed One. Blessed is the Lord, the Blessed One, for all eternity. Barku Adonai Hamvorach. Baruch Adonai Hamvorach. Le'olam Ba'ed. But with that, as I said, we blessed God for all of this, for existence. Next, we continue with the blessing of Messiah, where God gives us a path to salvation through his atoning sacrifice. Please join me. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has given us the way of salvation in Messiah Yeshua. Amen. Baruch Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher natan lano ederech ha-Yeshua, be-Mashiach Yeshua. Amen. And we continue with the Vishamru. There is no wrong day to worship God in the week. But we do gather here on this day, and we gather for a reason. And the Vishamru spells it out for us. Please join me. The children of Israel shall keep the Shabbat, observing it throughout their generations as an everlasting covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, and from one Shabbat to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. continue now with the Shema. So if you at home and everyone here, we'll please face towards the east. And I'll give you a second to prepare yourselves. The Shema means to listen, hear, reflect, and understand. We listen 
hopefully with ears to hear. In hearing, we hear the message of God and can reflect on it. With reflection, we understand. With that, we can internalize and share this message throughout the world. Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kevod Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed is the name of his glorious kingdom for all eternity. Ve'ahavta et Adonai Elohecha Vekol abaka uvakol nashika uvekol mehodecha vehayu hadavrim haele asher hanuchi mitzvaka hayom alevavecha veshinatam levanecha vidibarta habam vishivtaka bevatecha uvlechtaka vederes Ushash Vika Uvikumeka Ukshartam Leod Al Yadeka Veahula Totepo Benaneka Ukta Tame Mezozot Beteka Uvisharecha And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might and have these words which I command you this day be upon your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and speak of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you retire, and when you arise, and you shall bind them for a sign upon your hand, and let them be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house, and upon your gates. Yeshua tells us that was the single most important commandment. It reflects the relationship you are building and have with our God. That along with the second most important commandment that Yeshua gives us actually covers all of the Torah. Please join me. Vehata l'reika chamoka, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now I have a, uh, another cantor here, and so for the last two prayers, I'm going to step aside and let him take over. Shabbat Shalom from me. Good morning and Shabbat Shalom. If you now please join me for the evoke. Blessed are you, Lord our God, and God of our fathers, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob, the great, mighty, and awesome God, the Most High God, who bestows grace and creates all and remembers the kindnesses of the fathers and brings a Redeemer to their children's children. 
for his name's sake with love. O King, Helper, Savior, and Shield, blessed are you, O Lord, Shield of Abraham. like you, master of mighty deeds, and who can compare to you, king, who causes death and restores life and makes salvation sprout, and you are faithful to resurrect the dead. Blessed are you, O Lord, who resurrects the dead. good to be together and worship Lord together. So let's start our worship with 
Son Elohim Lana Mahasevawas. Our God is our refuge and our shield. Let's give him glory. with us. Thank you that you are always with us, Lord. We worship you. We worship you, Adonai, and we invite you on this place, Lord. Come in your presence, Lord. We need you so much, Lord. We are so hungry to know you more, Lord.
Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy to us. Thank you that we can worship you together. Amen. 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 This is very exciting. Rabbi Yuri Rabbis Anina, David Korshin, thank you so much for leading us in worship. Cantor Aaron and Derek, thank you for leading us in the Hebrew prayers. This is a great step forward for us, and we're excited that we can uh, take this step. We're having a session at the synagogue for the ministry teams to work on the technical issues so that we can get ready for having live services at the synagogue that are also broadcast live and are also integrated with the Facebook Live and Live from Home. So it's a lot of technical details to work out. And I'm so thankful for the team that's been working on all of this and all of you who have put your uh, time into this, your heart into this to, to make this work. We're just so grateful to you. Right now, I want to encourage everyone to actively participate in the time of blessing this morning. It's been our custom when we're at synagogue to gather the children under the large talit in front of the bima and then to gather the adults and to pray a blessing over them. And this is something that you can do in your own home. You can participate at home if you have your talit nearby. Take it and gather your family with you. It's a beautiful way to bring your family together. And here's the blessing that I want to pray over you that's on my heart. It's for grace and peace. That's a prayer that I read at least 15 different places in the Brit Hadashah. And I just want to read to you one example from Revelation chapter 1 verse 4. 
grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. Grace and peace to you. What a great prayer of blessing. We need grace, don't we? We need God's grace and we need God's peace. And I love what Isaiah had to say. Isaiah 33 verse 2. Lord, be gracious to us. We long for you. Be our strength every morning, our salvation in time of distress. So let's pray together. Lord, thank you that you're a God of grace and you are a God of peace. You're a God of mercy and loving kindness and graciousness. You're a God of well-being and wholeness and completeness and shalom. And we pray, Lord, that your grace and your peace would rest upon us and would touch our hearts and touch our minds and touch our souls in the deepest of ways. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. And now, if we were in synagogue, we'd say, if, as you're returning to your seat, tell someone Chazak or Shabbat Shalom. You can take just 15 seconds, that's all we're going to take online, to greet one or two people by name in the comments section. And let's have a round of Shabbat Shalom for just the next short while, literally. And I want to say Shabbat Shalom to all of you who are joining with us and Shabbat Shalom to everyone who is uh, listening later by podcast or watching the video on Facebook afterwards or on YouTube. We are glad that you could join with us at this time. And now it's time to welcome Rabbi Yuri live from the sanctuary at Beth Israel Messianic Synagogue. Let's give our full attention to Rabbi Yuri. So welcome to Beth Israel. Welcome to this place. Welcome to worship the Lord. And actually, can you turn this thing from, from the screen? Just make it blank. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, so now I feel like you look at me. <laughs> Before it was like you look at there, at him. And I'm a little bit zealous because he's there. And I, I'm, I'm him, but I'm here. So uh, today I would like to speak about a um, very interesting Torah portion, Akev because from Deuteronomy chapter 7 and Deuteronomy chapter 11 battle inside of us and this is very interesting and very short story that illustrates the battle inside every person every one of us and we are going through the same battle every day of our lives I believe because it's very important to remember I don't know how about you, but it's definitely about me. Because I'm going through my battles in my life every day. It is in Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 9 and verse 12. When I went to the mountain to receive the tablets of stone, Adonai cut with me. I stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. I did not eat bread or drink meat. So do you see here Moses, he's fasting and praying for 40 days and 40 nights without any drink, without any bread. He's fasting, he's praying, he's interceding for people of Israel. At the same time, verse 12, Adonai said to me, get up, go quickly down from here for your people, and I like this, the Lord saying, your people, not my people, <laughs> your people. 
They have quickly turned out of the way I commanded them. They have made a molten image for themselves. So, do you see picture here? 40 days of prayer for Moses, 40 days and nights, and 40 days of joy and relaxation and you know, praising idols for the rest of Israel. So something on here. So for 40 days Moses had fasted and prayed, humbling himself before the Lord. His goal was to find the Lord's will to receive his Torah and vision for the future of Israel. But the rest of Israel had sinned and perverted those same 40 days, making a golden idol to replace the true God of Israel. Why was that? Because they had completely different spiritual backgrounds. They have completely different perception of spiritual life. And they had completely different awareness of God, of his plans and purpose for them. While, the Moses, while Moses were looking for face of God, people of Israel were looking for something for themselves some quality, some good life for themselves, some, um, something else. Even though they, have the same, they were in the same desert, at the same place, at the same time, at the same mountain, facing the same circumstances, yet their reactions and their solutions were radically different. It was so different for them. So can you see the difference between faith, faith of Moses and weakness and uh, unfaithfulness of Israel? Something wrong there in their hearts. Often and many times, the same war happens in our, in our minds, in our hearts, in our lives. I know about myself. I think it's true about you too. Part of us, one part of us, is going to the mountain of the Lord. We want to be with the Lord. We want to follow Him. We want to serve Him. But the other part is always tempted to build a golden calf. You know, to be in a comfortable place, to avoid all the difficulties, to avoid the following the Lord. So kind of always a battle inside of us. And Rabbi Shaul in Romans chapter 7, he, he reveals the same battle in his own life. He speaks about himself. This is true of scriptures. Romans 7, 23. But I see a different law in my body parts, battling against the law of my mind and bringing me into bondage under the law of sin. Miserable man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God is through Messiah Yeshua, our Lord. So then... With my mind, I myself serve the Torah of God, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. And, you know, we can't stop here. You know, Bible doesn't have chapters. Chapters for us to find place. But in the next uh, chapter 8, Rabbi Shaul gives us an answer to us, gives us great promise from the Lord. He opens very new chapter for us and also for his own life. So let's read uh, Romans chapter 8 from verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Messiah Yeshua. For the law of the spirit of life in Messiah Yeshua 
has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what was impossible for the Torah, since it was weakened on account of the flesh, God has done. Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as a sin offering, he condemned sin in the flesh. So this is an answer for us. The Rabbi Shaul finds an answer to his question in the fact that Yeshua freed us from condemnation by his work of redemption. Yeshua redeemed us. We are redeemed by Yeshua. I believe this is so important to remember for us. This is the implication of the power of resurrection and the life in the Messiah Yeshua. So let's read again, very briefly. And I would like to, for you to repeat with me. There is no condemnation. I mean, can you imagine how many people live every day of their life under condemnation? Can you imagine your life without condemnation? And it's promise from the Lord. There is no condemnation for those who are in Messiah Yeshua. There is no condemnation. And you know, one of the greatest revelations for me, the Lord came for the first time, Yeshua came, not to be a judge, but to be our salvation. And one of the names of the Holy Spirit is Parakletos, somebody who intercedes for us, for, on our behalf, not against us, not judge us, but loves us. The second thing, in Messiah Yeshua has set you free from the law of sin and death. Spirit of life already has set you free. It's not a question. It's already, it's considered done. It's true. And third thing, for what was impossible for the Torah since it was weakened on account of the flesh, God has done. It's already accomplished. So for me, this is a great revelation. I remember my life when I realized that I remember my time when I tried to pay God something. When I tried to live for God so I would be great and I can do something good and the Lord will be pleased with me and then I will be much better in His eyes. And miserable life it is. You always doing something wrong. You always falling in something wrong. And I remember when I understood this place of Scripture, I'm already redeemed. I'm already saved. I'm already forgiven. Nothing can I do to gain love of God because He already loves me so much with His unconditional love, with all His heart. It's a beautiful revelation. I remember this freedom came to my heart. It frees me to worship the Lord. I start worshiping Him differently. Not from the understanding of pleasing God, but from understanding of His mercy, His love, His freedom, that I'm free to worship Him. I'm His Son, forgiven by Him, redeemed by Him. It's a different life. We cannot pay Him anything. He already paid for us. And later in the same chapter, verse 31, Rabbi Shaul said, If God is for us, who can be against us? Can you, can, you, can you imagine? If God is for us, can you say, God is for me? You know, when we read this place of Scripture, God is for us. We mean like millions of people around us and God is for us. God is for you in daily life. 
today, tomorrow, next day, God is always for you. He never against you. It's beautiful revelation. From this understanding, our hearts are filled with gratitude for the mercy given to us and the peace of God fills us. I constantly need to remind myself about this revelation, that the Lord is for me. Only then peace of God can fill my heart. Another way I need to do something, I need to fight, I need to work, I need to, you know, to pray through something. But when I understand the Lord is for me, it's much easier to do everything, to pray, to worship, to, to walk, to, to be a child of God. It's so good. <clears throat> At the same time, we need to understand and remember, we need to keep, keep faith, trust in God, and follow Him in our daily lives. We need to choose to follow the Spirit of God, not the flesh. Not the flesh. The Lord redeemed us, freed us from following the flesh. So in the same chapter, Romans 8, Verse 5, for, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Ruach set their minds on the things of the Ruach. So good, so good. And you know, many times I, I heard that Torah, it's old thing. Now we live in the New Testament, everything new. You know, Torah, it's, it's old thing. But... I would, would like to read Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 5 and 6, because Moses gives the same, the same revelation to people of Israel. So the same. It's nothing new in the Torah. Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 5. It is not because of your righteousness. You can't gain righteousness of God. It's not because of your righteousness. Or because your heart is so pride that you go in to take possession of their land. Adonai swore to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Yaakov. Therefore, understand that it is not for your righteousness that Adonai your God has given you this good land to possess. It is so good. Not because of our righteousness, but because of him. So, the last verse I would like to read it today. It is in um, Deuteronomy chapter 10. The Torah is not only a book of law, but also instruction for us, for our daily lives. This is something from the Lord, directions to us. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. So now, O Israel, what does Adonai your God need of you but to fear Adonai your God? to walk in all his ways and love him, and to serve Adonai your God with all your heart and with all your soul, to keep the mitzvot of Adonai and his statutes that I am commanding you today for your own good. So good. To fear the Lord, and we know that the fear of Adonai is the beginning of wisdom. This is the first thing. When you're righteous, when you understand that the, you're righteous by righteousness of the Lord, by His mercy, you're redeemed. Keep understanding and start walking in the fear of God. The fear in uh, Hebrew has different meanings. One of them, to be afraid, or also to stand in awe, or also to honor, to respect. My personal understanding, the fear of God, 
is not to be afraid of God and try to hide of him, from him. Do you remember when Adam sinned? He tried to hide from God because he was afraid of God, of his presence. As we are afraid of lighting of something bad happened to us. This is not fear to be afraid of God. The fear of God, it means to be afraid of losing him, to respect him, to honor him, to put the Lord at the first place in your life. It is so important to remember. So let's simplify. He is number one. He is the boss. He is the beginning. He is everything for us. We need to respect him. We need to be in awe to him. He loves us so much. Walk in his ways. And, you know, I put the point, uh, not only one day per week or not six days per week, but walk in his ways always. I love this question. What would Yeshua do in my place? This is a good question for us to ask. To love him. Let's say together, love him. Love, it means feeling, action, decision. It's much more to love him. And serve him with all your heart and soul and keep his commandments. So this is the calling from the Lord to us. And I would like to say to you, Mazel Tov, you redeemed, you restored to the Lord. You loved by God. It's already considered done. Yeshua paid all price for you. And now you're free as a son and daughter of God to walk in his love, to experience his mercy, to be in his presence. It is so good. It's so good to remember. So I'm so happy we are able to uh, podcast from Beth Israel, from the synagogue. Hey, thank you, all the team who, who are here today. Thank you so much for your participation. It's so good. And it was a little bit um, unusual for me to be here at the same time at the stage and at the same time on the screen. <laughs> and I was like kind of looking at me there and looking at me here. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm very happy that we are moving forward. And uh, thank to everyone. Thank Rabbi David for your work. Thank you, Brian. Thank Aaron, Cantor Aaron. Thank worship team. Thank Travis, Brian. Uh, Danny, Beth, uh, everyone, Claude, thank you so much for your, um, for your work. It's hard work, but I'm so happy we came to this point, to this place. Avin Ezer, the Lord help us to put uh, this moment together. So, and it's so good that we can blend service together for those who can be under service and for those who are staying home and participating in the service too. So thank you so much. Love you so much. Shabbat Shalom. Rabbi David. Rabbi Yuri, thank you so much. This is actually very exciting trying to uh, blend this service together. And at this point, we, we are working out some of the bugs. And it's a wonderful process. It's so great that we can take these steps together. I was thinking of this statement from the New Testament scriptures that we being many are one body in Messiah Yeshua. And the fact is that to be connected to God means we're also connected to God's people and that there are certain things that we can't do all by ourselves. Worshiping by ourselves is a good thing. It really is. It's a powerful thing. Worshiping together is a great thing. And studying together, taking Shabbat together, I think is really wonderful. And so for me, it's actually very exciting to be able to do this and to experience with you 
this whole new format in this blended hybrid version, live from home and live from the sanctuary. It's our first step forward as we're preparing for in-sanctuary meetings along with uh, live streaming because we know that we need to connect people in both ways during this time. So thank you all for participating in this and thank you for making this possible. I think it shows something that that is centered in this week's studies, the scriptures that we're reading, that we really do need each other and we 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 appreciate each other. We value each other. And the ways that we see each other are connected to the ways we see ourselves. The way we see each other is connected to the way we see our relationship with God. And so our, our view about others is an important part. Our view about ourselves and our view about God, they're all connected together. And it's very useful for us to understand that we need God and we need each other. And so I, I wanna share with you some important ideas. They're nuanced ideas that are expressed in this week's readings, and then we'll, we'll look at some scriptures together. The first one is this, we are highly valued and loved by God, but not because we are so good, rather because he is so good. The second idea, we're stubborn and we're self-centered, but God greatly loves us and he sees us as a treasure for himself. Now, when you hear this, that God loves us, but it's not because we're so good, or we're stubborn, we're self-centered, and yet God considers us a treasure. This may create like a mental conflict for us. I mean, we can say, well, how could this be? I, I, I can't imagine that God could love me if I'm not good. Well, you'll never be good enough to merit God's love, but he can love you before you've done anything. He can love you because you simply trust him and want to live for him. And then all of your imperfections can be faced honestly. All of our weaknesses can be acknowledged and we can stop trying to earn God's approval. He purchased us. He redeemed us. We can't redeem ourselves. He circumcises our hearts. We can't do it on our own. Now, here's the third idea. God may put us in difficult circumstances in order to produce humility in us and to test us so that, and this is very important, so that he will be able to bless us and to prosper us. Sometimes difficulty is given for a reason. It's given so that we can humble ourselves before God and he can reveal our real condition. And then with humility, having been tested even in the fire, he will bless us and prosper us. And the blessing will be without regret at all. Now, the next idea, prosperity and blessing may cause us to be proud and to think that we can gain health, wealth, and wisdom on our own. This is one of the dangers that the Lord warns us about in this week's readings, that we may receive the blessings of God and then think we're the reason 
for those blessings. Now, if we think we're the reason for the blessings, and then we see other people who are struggling in life, we will judge them and think, oh, they're not blessed because they're not as good as we are. That is a form of pride. It's a form of self-righteousness. And God warns us not to think that we have the power to gain health, wealth, and wisdom on our own. Now, another idea, there are some things which God will make impossible for us to achieve or to accomplish without his help and the help of others. And this is so hard for independent people, for people who are real self-starters, for people who love to take initiative and love to be competent, and especially hard for perfectionists. There are certain things that are impossible. They are impossible to accomplish on our own and without God. And so that leads us to a statement that I think contains all of this. We need God and we need each other. So let's look at a passage from the Gospel of John where Yeshua talks about the incredible unity and completeness which God has in himself as Father and Son and Holy Spirit. And then Yeshua underlines that we are insufficient without him and that our faith and our trust are essential for us to receive what we need from God. You can turn to John chapter 14, verse 10, and we'll start reading there. Yeshua is speaking and he says, the father living in me is doing his own works. Isn't that interesting? God the father, far removed from this earthly plane, perfect and without body, is doing his works in Yeshua, God the son, in this earthly plane and with a human body. Verse 11, Yeshua says, trust me. Trust that I am united with the Father and the Father united with me. So that is, that's a big step for many people to trust the unity of the Father and the Son. And then Yeshua says, but if you can't, then trust because of the works themselves. Trust because of what you see that I have done. That's very interesting. This is the kind of faith that is not blind. It's faith that sees. Verse 12, yes, indeed, I tell you that whoever, <clears throat> whoever trusts in me will also do the works that I do. Indeed, he'll do greater works because I'm going to the Father. In fact, whatever you ask for in my name, I will do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me for something in my name, I will do it. Now, that doesn't mean ask for your selfish ambitions. It doesn't mean to ask for the things that are displeasing to God. To ask in, in Yeshua's name means to recognize what truly belongs to Yeshua, what he considers good, what he considers right, what he considers honorable, what he considers just and true, and to ask for those things. It's not a matter of asking for materialistic things so that we can um, use these things for our selfish ambitions, though we need material things, of course. We need finances, we need a home, we need clothing, we need um, health care. There are many things that do require money and uh, material things, but we don't want to be so focused on those things that they become the center of our lives. We don't want to be so consumer materialist that that's really how we measure prosperity. The Lord wants us to measure prosperity by 
recognizing what he values, what he treasures, and then making that a treasure for ourselves. Verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commands. That's an interesting statement. Keeping the commands, being obedient to the Lord is a result, it's a consequence of loving the Lord. It's not, if you want to be accepted by me, keep my commands. It's, if you love me, keep my commands. Very nuanced, very important, and so essential. Verse 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforting counselor like me, the spirit of truth, to be with you forever. The world cannot receive him because it neither sees him nor knows him. He's invisible and they don't have a relationship with him. The only way to have a true relationship with the Spirit of God is to come into a right relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and thus you can receive the Holy Spirit. And the Father and the Son, God in unity together, revealing himself in these different ways, but one God, Echad, perfect in himself and complete in himself. The way that we see God in his completeness helps us because we can recognize that he is complete and though he is a chad, he's complete in himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And our completion depends on being in a right relationship with him and with other people. They're all connected together. Now, I, I wanna share some statements that reflect how people think about themselves and others. And you may identify with some of these and they can reveal to you um, your sense, your sense of belonging to God and to other people. So here's the first statement. I don't need you. That's a statement that many people have expressed internally or even externally out loud. I don't need you. And then a related statement, you don't need me. And what goes along with that is this idea, we don't need each other. We don't need each other. And then there's another set of statements, you do need me, but I don't need you. And that is lopsided, it's one-sided. Another version is, you don't need me, but I need you. Only one of us needs the other. And that kind of lopsided, one-sided relationship is a sign of immaturity or it's a sign of misunderstanding. The best relationships that are mature are relationships that have reciprocity. And they can be, they can be reflected in these words, I need you and you need me. We both need each other. And maybe you can take a moment and, and consider this. Is it easy enough to say that I need you? And is it easy enough to recognize you need me? And then do you have that sense we both need each other and the value of having a mutual reciprocal relationship? I want to encourage you to explore that in these days ahead, how you can develop that kind of reciprocity and mutuality. It leads to other understandings like this. I value you and I know you value me. We both value each other. And that is also connected to another idea. I am important to you and you are important to me. We're important to each other. These are statements that reflect 
a mature, well-connected view and balanced view of our life together. I know one of the things that's been difficult during this time when we have <clears throat> been physically separated from one another is that the ways that we express our valuing and our needing each other and our importance to each other have been modified so much that, that it can cause us to forget how much we really need each other. Or we can feel that sense of need, but feel a void because it hasn't been fulfilled the way that we're accustomed to it. But I want to encourage you to affirm with words and in deeds this mutuality. Take time. Take time in the comments today. Take time to communicate with people in the Mishpocha this afternoon and tonight and tomorrow, this weekend and in the days ahead, take time to express appreciation to each other and valuing to each other. You know, none of us is perfect and none of us can achieve perfection. That's part of our study today that we're not perfect and we can't be perfect. We cannot be perfect. The only one who's perfect is God himself. But we can still love each other. We can still value each other. Let's, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 10, starting in verse 17, and we'll look through verse 19. Now, at this moment, I'm going to give some instruction to all of you who are really good at participating in the comments section actively. Can one of you write Deuteronomy 10, verses 17 through 19? And in this way, we'll get the book, we'll get the chapter, and we'll get the verses in the comments section. And then can another of you copy and paste the text into um, the comment section. It's hard to do both. If someone can do both, that's great. But it's actually hard to do both because one involves typing and the other one involves going to another screen and copying and then coming back to this screen and pasting. So I'm familiar with this and I really appreciate those of you who put your heart into active participation in the comment section. You really do help everybody uh, get more out of our time together. So Deuteronomy 10, verses 17 through 19 says this, For Adonai your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, mighty, and awesome God who has no favorites and accepts no bribes. That's an interesting statement. He has no favorites. Well, I thought being chosen meant you're his favorite. No, not really. Being chosen means you're called for a purpose. God has chosen you before you were able to choose him and made it possible for you then to come into a right relationship with you. But he doesn't have favorites and he accepts no bribes. You can't pay God off. He's not corrupt. You can't give enough. You can't be a, a big philanthropist or, or you can't win him through your own deeds. Your deeds are important. Your generosity is important, of course, but you can't bribe God. Verse 18, he secures justice for the orphan and the widow, and he loves the foreigner, giving him food and clothing. That's a really interesting idea. God loves the foreigner. He loves the immigrant. He loves the person who has moved into another country and is a different nationality, maybe a different language, maybe a different culture, but is now living somewhere. God loves the foreigner. Isn't that interesting? The orphan, the one who's lost their father, the widow, the one who has lost her husband, and I think the widower too. The foreigner he loves, giving him food and clothing. 
He loves the foreigner. He doesn't just tolerate the foreigner. He doesn't just have a political policy that, that's good for foreigners too. No, he loves the foreigner. And, and that tells me something. I want to love God and I want to love people in the way that God loves people, don't you? I want to love foreigners too. That's important for us. And here we are in Deuteronomy. God is speaking to the Jewish people and telling those who are part of the people Israel by birth. He's saying to them, I love not only Israel, I love other nations as well. And I want you to love them. Because I love them, I want you to love them. To love God means to love what he loves. And so God says, I love the foreigner. So you know what that means? We need to open up our hearts to love the foreigner as well, to give him food and clothing, to help him get started, to help him fit into the new place he's living in. Verse 19, therefore you are to love the foreigner. This isn't just my opinion. It's not a political opinion really. And this has nothing to do with where you find yourself politically or on uh, in partisan politics or even how you understand what's happening around us in the world today. This is just an absolute that God says to us, therefore you are to love the foreigner, since you were foreigners in the land of Egypt. One of the things that makes our congregation strong is that we try to show this kind of love within the congregation to one another. We have people from so many different backgrounds, so many different countries of origin, so many different nationalities, different ethnicities. We're not just all the same. We're quite different. We're, we're very diverse. What unites us is that we try to love what God loves, and we try to show that love to each other. It's really a great challenge, but it's an important challenge. Now, having said that, it's not that we're so good that God loves us. That's from Deuteronomy chapter nine, verses six and seven. Some people think this, I'm so good, and that's why God loves me. And others think, oh, you're so good, that's why God loves you. You see, if you start measuring yourself in that way and think that God only accepts you and only loves you if you're good enough, you'll also judge other people in the same way and you'll think, Oh, if they're experiencing the love of God, they must be good. And then you may judge yourself against that person and you may find yourself lacking or you may find yourself superior. It just depends on your point of view. But it can lead to this other idea of, of criticism and condemnation towards other people. You're not good enough. And that has an underlying idea. And that's why God does not love you. Ooh, it's, it's insidious. It can show itself in another form. If you were better, God would love you. But that can also have yet another form. If I were better, God would love me. All of these are very dangerous. They're very dangerous because they base the love of God on ourselves and how good we are. And God says, that's not the reason why. And every parent and every grandparent, I think can understand this kind of love. Because when, when you decided to love your child or your grandchild, it was because of you feeling love towards them. It wasn't because they had done something yet. 
And thus, it's really important for us to understand that knowing God as Father is to know him with this kind of parental love, this kind of authoritative love, but generous love that flows from him to us. When we think, I'm so good and that's why I'm healthy. I'm so good and that's why I'm wealthy. I'm so good and that's why I'm so wise. We are actually disconnecting ourselves from God. Deuteronomy chapter 9, verses 6 and 7 warn us about this. Therefore, understand it's not because of your righteousness that Adonai, your God, is giving you this good land to possess. It's not because of your righteousness. Righteousness is important. Be holy, says the Lord, because I am holy. He wants us to embrace his righteousness as the source of our righteousness. He doesn't want us to ever think that we're so good or we're so much better that we end up thinking that's why God is doing these things for us. We get an air of superiority. We get an attitude of criticism and judgment and condemnation when we do that. And it opens us up when we're condemning other people. It actually opens us, us up to become insecure, even more insecure with God because Yeshua teaches us that the measure that we use, the measure that we use will be used towards us. It's a scary thing, I think. And it's a good reason why we want to be generous in our attitude towards people, don't you think? Verse 6 finishes with a statement. Because you're a stiff-necked people, you're a stubborn person. It's good to know you're stubborn. I'm a stubborn person. Now, stubbornness can be used for good and it can be used for evil. It can be used for good when we aim uh, to do something difficult or we are willing to do something even unpopular that goes against what other people think is is uh, the better thing to do or when we just try to fit in to worldly values and worldly systems um, to be persevering for God instead of giving in to all those forces, that's good. That, that's a kind of quality. But stubbornness pointed in the wrong direction where we are just resistant, we're closed, we're defensive, we're gonna do it my way or the highway for you. We're gonna, um, we're gonna be strong in ourselves in that way. That kind of stubbornness is not tenderness to God. That's why he calls it stiff neck. It's, we're stiff against God. We're, we're resisting God. Oh, we can be like that. Have you ever seen a little child throw that kind of temper tantrum where they just stiffen up altogether and they become like, um, I don't even know how to describe it, like a block, a block of humanity. And if, uh, if you were to try to touch them or move them, you know, they're not going to budge. Well, some of us may have gotten over that kind of childness tantrum, but we still have that kind of stubbornness. It's something that we may have to work on. And if you come from a stubborn family, then as, as I do, I encourage you to recognize it and then to work on it. Verse seven says, remember, don't forget how you made Adonai your God angry in the desert. That's to help us understand ourselves. Then let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter eight, starting in verse 11. It says, be careful. Be careful not to forget Adonai your God by not obeying his mitzvot, 
rulings and regulations that I'm giving you today. You see, our obedience is connected to our remembering God. Our obedience is connected to our loving God. It's not connected to our trying to justify ourselves. Verse 12, otherwise, after you've eaten and you're satisfied and you've built fine houses and you've lived in them and you've increased your herds and flocks and silver and gold and everything else you own, verse 14, you will become proud hearted. You see, when we forget God, we may start with him, but then we forget him. When we start thinking we're our own source of blessing, or we did it and that's why we're blessed. When we think that we have all that power all by ourselves, then verse 14 warns us, you will become proud hearted, forgetting Adonai your God and forgetting that he's the one who brought you out of the land of Egypt where you lived as slaves. He did it. He's the one who led you through the vast and fearsome desert with its poisonous snakes, scorpions, and waterless thirsty ground. He's the one who brought water out of flint rock for you. He's the one who fed you in the desert with manna. He's the one who was unknown to your ancestors. And he's the one who brought you into humility and a time of testing in order to do you good in the end. Don't forget him. Because if you do, verse 17, you will think to yourself, my own power and the strength of my own hand have gotten me this wealth. No, you are to remember Adonai your God because it is he who is giving you the power to get wealth in order to confirm his covenant which he swore to your ancestors as is happening even today. These are wonderful statements. These are, I think, scriptures that really help us see ourselves in a right way to see that we're loved, we're not rejected, but it's not because we're so good, because we're not so good. It's because he's so good. And when we recognize that God is so good, then we can start loving the way he does. We love him, and as we love him, and as we draw close to him, the love that he has for us becomes spreadable. Can I put it that way? It, 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 it's like something that can be shared with other people. If you don't get it for yourself, you won't be able to give it to others. That's why Yeshua said that the second great command is like the first one. The first one is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. The second one is to love your neighbor as yourself. See that? To love your neighbor as yourself. To pay attention that you deserve love, not because you're so good, and your neighbor deserves love, but not because he or she is so good but because God loves you and your neighbor. Now with this in mind, I wanna to go to the Haftor portion, which I think is very useful for all of us who are part of the Messianic movement because it helps us understand that, that God is prophetically in this passage in Isaiah 49, he's prophetically telling the Jewish people what he will be doing in, in the future and how the Jewish people, as Moses said, need other nations as well. If God loves foreigners and we're to love foreigners too, it's not because 
foreigners become Jews, then they would cease to be foreigners. It's because God loves all the nations of the world and he will use all the nations of the world. He will use all the cultures and all the nationalities, all the languages, all the people groups of this world. And he wants us to recognize that some things that we, the Jewish people need, we can't do for ourselves. That's at the heart of Isaiah 49, starting in verse 22. Adonai Elohim answers, I am beckoning to the nations, or I will turn my attention to the nations, or I will summon the nations, raising my banner for the peoples. And here the word for banner is also miracle. So God is promising, in a sense, to do miracles for other nations, and then to use that as a, as a flag, if you will, as a banner that announces it's him who is at work. And then it says, they, they will bring your sons in their arms and they will carry your daughters on their shoulders. They will do it. Israel, you will not be able to bring your sons and your daughters. You will not be able to bring all of your sons and all of your daughters, not to God and not to the life that God has for us. You won't be able to do it. There are some things that God has set up that require the help of others and his help for us to get them. And here, Isaiah is declaring something that's so powerful and I think so useful for us. And I think helps us in the Messianic movement to embrace one another without expecting that everybody's going to be the same. But at the same time, it gives us a kind of... of understanding a kind of, you could call it anthropology, that's what some theologians like to refer to it, a kind of view of mankind that's very generous and very open-hearted and wide open arms one to another. They will bring your sons in their arms, they will carry your daughters on their shoulders, kings will be your foster fathers and their princesses or their queens, your nursing mothers. Here we see that the Jewish people are being told, you need other nations. And it's because of the way God is working. And that becomes, I think, very practical for us. I mean, we can make general statements. I made these statements last night. Jews need Gentiles and Gentiles need Jews. Some people don't like the word Gentile. So let's say it another way. Jews need other ethnic groups or other cultures, other people groups, other nationalities and other ethnic groups and people groups need the Jewish people too. But let's say it another way. The people Israel need the Lebanese people. The people Israel need the Jordanian people. The Jordanians need the children of Israel. The Lebanese need the children of Israel. We could say it like that. It's an interesting statement. But let's say it in, in, with different details, if, if I can, just off the top of my head. Look at your own skin color and then think of someone who is darker than you and think of someone who is lighter than you and say to yourself, God needs people not just with my skin color, but with those who are darker and those who are lighter as well. You could say it this way, God needs and we need black people and white people, people of every human color. We need, let's say it, let's say it for the Jewish people, the Jewish people need people of color and people of color need the Jewish people. But let's say it another way. We need young people 
and we need old people. We need rich people and we need poor people. We need men, we need women. We need little children, we need the elderly. We need the strong and we need the weak. We all have a place together. We being many are one body in Messiah, Yeshua. We need each other. That should be really in our hearts. It should be central to our self-understanding and it should guide us in everything that we do. Now, I want to share with you a passage from Colossians chapter 3, verses 8 through 17. Well, not all the verses, but some that Sandy shared with me from her paraphrase or translation. I'll, I'll use her notes. Colossians chapter 3, verse 8. Take off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language. And then skipping to verse 12. And put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Verse 13, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another. Even as Messiah forgave you, so you also must do. Verse 14, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Messiah dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Yeshua, giving all thanks to God the Father through him. I'm so thankful, Sandy, that you shared these, uh, this passage with me, these verses with me. And I'm thankful for the other verse that you shared with me from Proverbs 4, verse 23. Why don't you write this, some of you who are watching right now, write this in the comment section, Proverbs 4, 23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. This has been a wonderful time together, and I'm so encouraged that we have been able to uh, participate in this way and to have our first hybrid live from home, live from sanctuary time. This has technically been a time of rehearsal in the um, synagogue, not really rehearsal, maybe a practice session, because we needed to to do this in order to take the next steps where we can begin our live and sanctuary services and continue to have live stream together. So this is one of our steps and we'll have more steps in the days and weeks ahead. We'll keep you posted. If you are part of the Mishpocha and you want to participate in upcoming in sanctuary services, make sure you send in your completed waivers. If you didn't get one, contact us so that um, we can send one to you. I want to encourage you to watch Cantor Aaron Jacobs' new video on our Facebook page. And also I want to tell you that we have a new feature we're working on called Ask the Rabbi. And you can send questions about our studies together by email this way. And we'll select some of those questions and periodically we'll do an Ask the Rabbi session. It may be a video or it may be a written post. We'll try it out and we'll see. And here's how to send your questions. Use this email address, asktherabbi at bethisraelnow.com. 
rabbi.com. And remember that this is not stump the rabbi, it's ask the rabbi. And so ask questions that are not private questions because this is for questions that you want answered publicly. Uh, maybe you want us to clarify or add something uh, to what we said, or maybe we didn't quite say something right. You want us to, uh, to be more clear. It's only for questions relating to our teachings and studies together. So as we're, as we're wrapping up, I want to take a few moments to pray for some people. And I just want to lift them up by name. I want to pray for Laura Stanachek, who lost her adopted father this week. I want to pray for Misty Sandoval. She is an RN in the emergency department at Mayo Clinic here in Jacksonville. And she was exposed to a patient who has COVID-19. She and two other colleagues have now uh, picked up COVID-19 and so she is having to be in isolation. We want to pray for Mel Yari. He is having um, some continued bleeding and infection. He's had transfusions, but the doctors don't know the source of bleeding. So it's quite serious for him. We want to pray for Maria Perez, who's in Mexico. She will have surgery on Tuesday for the aneurysm near her liver. We want to pray for Dexter Siegler's father who yesterday had colon surgery for cancer. We want to pray for his recovery and for him to have no complications and get the very best outcomes possible. There are others as well who need prayer, and we will continue um, to connect with all of you through our prayer meetings and through our rabbi's prayer team. But right now, Lord, we lift up our mishpacha, all these who we've named this morning, and we ask, Lord, that you would pour out comfort, you would pour out healing, that you would do for each of these exactly what they need. For those that need a clear diagnosis, for those that have hidden troubles, we pray that you would open that up and reveal that. For those that need surgeries, we pray for skill, for protection. We pray that you would protect them from infection and complication. And we pray for the very best outcomes as well. For those who are in mourning, Lord, we pray that you would pour out comfort and you would pour out consolation upon all of our mishpacha in the name of Yeshua. Amen. It's a great thing that we can pray together like this, and I'm really appreciative that all of you take the time to do that with us. Right now, it's, it's time for our offerings, and the way we do that online is just to express thanks to you, and thanks to everyone at Beth Israel who is faithful and sending in their tithes and your offerings. It's so important. We're grateful to you for your generosity and for your cheerfulness, and we appreciate your sacrificial giving as well. And we are praying for all those who need work, all those who have had financial setbacks as well. Lord, we thank you that you provide for us and you watch over us and you tell us that, that we can test you in this matter. If we'll bring the whole tithe to you, then you'll pour out abundance on us. We pray for those who are not experiencing that abundance right now. And we pray for your leadership. We pray for your grace to be poured out upon them. For those that need jobs, we pray for your guidance and help. We pray for connections for them. For those whose businesses have had major setbacks, Lord, we pray for wisdom and strength and perseverance that they would know what to do and how to rebuild in these challenging times. In Yeshua's name, we pray.
Amen. If you want to participate financially, you can go to our webpage, bethisraelnow.com giving, and you can look at our two online giving platforms, Giving Fire and PayPal. They're very easy to set up, very easy to customize, and very secure as well. And you can get all the information you need in order to send checks uh, by mail. Our mailing address is there, and also so that you can use your bank's bill pay service in order to send your tithes. All those are great means of sending in support. We so appreciate all of you who have been faithful in this. So right now, I want to close with Aaron's blessing, as we normally do at Beth Israel. And my wife, Sandy, is coming in to be with me. Thank you, my dear. This is so nice to be together. And Jack is with us. <laughs> So let's join together. And then after, after this, we have a wonderful surprise for you. We are going to go to the painter home for some extra worship at the very end. So I want to close right now with Aaron's blessing and join with me and then stay on if you like for additional worship with Eric Painter in his home. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep watch over you, protect you, and guard you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Sar Shalom. Amen. So we can say Shabbat Shalom to you. Shabbat Shalom. It has been great being together with you. We're so thankful for the whole team at the sanctuary that has put that part together live from the sanctuary and live from home together. What a wonderful thing. And now let's go to the Painter family home for a final worship song. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Thank you.
Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom.